0: This week's episode is brought to you by the Polar Vortex. The only thing colder than the Colorado Avalanche.
1: This has got to be one of the gutsiest clubs in the National Hockey League. Here's a breakaway. McKinnon. Pure guts. <laughs> they got nothing but guts. tackled by a team. Every guy with three big old cow hearts two pancreases Brandon right here with a terrific backhand pass and look at the patient my goodness guts all over the place I can't believe it and after
0: 22 years good morning good afternoon or good evening I'm Steph and you're listening to Burgundy Radio for February 4th 2019 coming up on the show we're going to run down which avalanche players could or even should be on the move this trade deadline and identify some potential targets along the way but before we play the whoosh, your disembodied voices for the week, joining us as always is Earl. Hello, Earl.
1: Hello, friends.
0: And back from, I guess the word we used for it was sabbatical, it is Tiger Vixen. What's up?
2: Did you all miss me?
0: Of course. Of course we all missed you. Sure. Aw, <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> This week, the sitch is pretty sad. The Avs have finally dropped out of a playoff spot in the hapless NHL Western Conference. Their 52 are two points back of Vancouver's 54 for the second wildcard spot. Minnesota have 56 points and Dallas 58. St. Louis, Arizona, and Anaheim are all one point behind with 51. Yikes. At least Ottawa are in 31st and the Avalanche is in their first round pick. So it may not be all bad. Only one game this week, and I doubt if there's a lot to say about it. Abs lose 5-1 to the Vancouver Canucks, your only goal of Matt Calvert redirect of a Dorov bomb. Farley gives up 5 goals on 26 shots. 808 is a cool kick drum, but a terrible save percentage you all. Not that it matters when you only get in one of your own. This game even saw Bedner break up the All-Star line. Big ol' Carl centered Rand and Landiscog, Nathan McKinnon got Wilson and Kerfoot, and neither line accomplished anything really. That's all I have to say about this game. You guys have anything?
1: Yeah, I think it was, uh, I, I mean, I, I appreciate the gesture of, uh, trying to jumpstart some of the forwards by swapping around some people. Um, you know, but the, it, it really doesn't matter when you're using the same guys. Um, and I'm referring to the entire 12 forward core here. they didn't have any extras, obviously, because the the rest of the extras were sent down before the all star break. So, <clears throat> I mean, and just mixing around the same guys and, and looking for a different results, um, you know, it seems very optimistic to me. And I, I don't really think it's it's really a role issue. Um, so I, I, I'm not surprised it didn't work. I am surprised a little at how. Uh lethargic, they looked for most of the game I, I you know I know Riker really pointed that out a lot during the intermissions, but oh, he was pissed he was I, you know personally I offended. Be too-
0: <laughs> you
1: know it it really was a terrible look when you're you know coming off of nine days off and you know you you put out an effort like that, and I'm not saying they weren't trying, but it just you know they they looked the same as they have for the last two months. they were slow and soft and undisciplined and got beaten much the same ways that they've been getting beat for an endless amount of time now
0: and important to note vancouver on the same nine day break
1: they were and they didn't seem to suffer any ill effects
0: i didn't mind
2: the idea of just at this point you just have to try Something and you have, I think they need to get a little bit more aggressive in what they try, but I'm sure we'll get into that. But I thought actually the line of Soderberg with Rantanen and Landeskog, it was it was a bit he- of a heavier line, and I actually kind of liked that. I don't think it was a, really a bad combination. It's just when you use it for one game and not even for a full game because they'd switch back to the The all-star line, then how can you really judge it? Because you've just seen it for a few shifts. McKinnon with Kerfoot and Wilson was just more of McKinnon trying to do everything and failing. So I think he is kind of his own issue at this point.
1: Well, there there are some things that... that I think there are some good things that could have come out of taking Mac away from that line. Um, just because, if if you look at how, <clears throat> you know, who is shooting the puck when those three guys are on the ice, um, Mac's shot share on ice has gone down quite a bit over the past couple of months, and and Miko and Gabe's has gone up, <clears throat> and that's not a terrible thing. You know, it it sounds good in in theory, uh, but it you know it it it's made. McKinnon's shot share go down from 27% to about 20% on ice, his shooting percentage has tanked. So, I I don't know what... They they they
2: needed Miko to shoot more, because remember, he wasn't even scoring goals in the beginning part of the year.
1: Miko absolutely needed to shoot more. I I mean, I guess, but they were winning then, and they're not now, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, how, how do you balance that out? I, I, I agree that, yes, it, it's better if Miko is scoring goals, but if it's at the expense of losing this many games, then, you know, and I'm not saying that's the reason why. Um, you know, it's like you need all those guys shooting a lot because they're really good. I you know, think if in it,
2: th- it, theory, McKinnon with some different line mates and to get a line that he can drive, and I think Soderbergh, Lanneskog, Ranton would be fine, then you, you could get somewhere. But I think we're so beyond that. Like, we are beyond the issue of we need to reimagine the line. I think that that, that was a two months ago problem. It's yeah, not well. going to fix what... Their problem is right now.
0: So when you look at that line of I mean, construction, I, sure, the Soderberg with with Ranton and Landeskog is a totally fine idea, but then you have to put McKinnon with someone.
1: Yeah. And,
0: and then that's Kerfoot has fallen off as the year has gone on, just like he did last year. And now you've got I, Colin I, Wilson, I, who is definitely a complimentary player, but slow.
1: Yeah. I, I mean I think the big problem that I saw with that line was that Given that, that Kerfoot and Wilson are not, you know, they're, they're not the best defensive players on the team, let's say. Um, that left McKinnon kind of doing a lot of the heavy lifting as the F3. And if you want him shooting a lot, you can't have him high in the zone. You you know, you sort of needed to have Wilson be that guy that was high in the zone and Mac, you know, where he likes to shoot from. And that, you know, that, that was kind of switched around. So it just, you know it it didn't work.
2: Hmm, um, a defensively responsible winger that has skill. I wonder if they have one of those in the
0: AHL.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> they have one in Gabe Landeskog.
1: Yeah. You know, it's and like one they it
2: to- reminds you of Gabe Landeskog. He's just Czech instead of Swedish.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, I, I thoroughly endorse trying things right now. but um, but we'll we'll get to this in a bit. but you know, for for all intents and purposes, that line was kind of a failure because um, the objective would be to get Mac more shots rather than have have him have to play babysitter to the other two guys and that's that's what ended up happening.
0: And he did have four shots on goal right. He did lead the team in that, but he also right. is like you don't have Nathan McKinnon on your team to play fucking defense. Right. That's not his job. You know?
1: Well, I mean he's, you know, he's not if bad at a top at it
2: line player it. you have to be somewhat competent at it.
0: Yeah, but yeah, that I doesn't think... mean he's con- going to run a line defensively. Like he doesn't even like he doesn't really play the center role in his own zone on his normal line, so
1: Right. And it's just like, that made him, you know, the, the third guy in the zone and it made him the, the guy kind of staying high a bit. So it just, you know, it, it didn't work. And he, and um, of his
0: shots he did take, most of them came from like north of the circles. he take, every time yeah. he, he takes shots from the point, I wanted to just pull my hair out cause it doesn't make any sense.
1: <laughs> I know. Um. But they, I mean, they really do have to get McKinnon going, just because you know his shooting percentage. Um, you know, it's just, you're you're not going to win when your best player's shooting percentage is is, is off eleven percent from where it was in the the early part of the year.
2: Well, it was it was too high back then.
1: Yeah, I know it's unsustainable, but it's you know unsustainably low now. So I mean, you need to find a, a little bit of a rise and, and settle
0: it's just a really variant number and we can't seem to find a happy medium with it for anybody at this point because yeah Colorado went from one of the hotter shooting teams to one of the colder shooting teams and it's not supposed to work that way
1: yeah <laughs> and, and one other change that average. that I <clears throat> one other change I'd really like to rag on a little bit was uh, putting Ian Cole on the top line yeah and that paid off right away with a bad pinch and a Two on one going the other way for the Canucks' first goal, ninety-two seconds into the game. So that was fun.
0: Yeah, the real bad. And even and EJ played it real badly on in his own end too. And there was no way Vorlamov was getting across for that. No way.
1: No. You know, cover the. You know, if you're gonna cover the the pass, cover the pass, man. <laughs> Don't sit right in the middle and pretend your stick is like something important. <laughs> <laughs> Um,
2: but this begs the question. Even Bednar said it was a bad pinch on the first goal.
1: He sure did. Where
2: is the accountability then? Why did he get to play the rest of the game with EJ? I think Cole was on the ice for three goals against, and one and one was on the penalty kill, which is its own issue. It seems like he's out there for every goal against on the penalty kill.
1: And it sure but does.
2: What? Where? I. Think really believe this is one of the underlying issues the AVs have right now is a complete lack of accountability. The only well, players that are on the table for any sort of accountability are the young ones. And it's well, been a, right. way, way, way overdue that Cole, and I'm not I don't want to single him out like saying he's the reason why they're losing, but hit the his hmm drop in play has been a big factor and plus it just it doesn't matter what he does they still roll him out the next shift they play him as many minutes the, the same regardless of his performance and now he gets to play with ej and it was obvious that it wasn't leading to improved play from the start and it absolutely didn't matter
1: yeah i mean the only reason his minutes got reduced in the second half of the game was a they were out of it and trying to come back. Um, you know, it's like if, if, if the score was close or the abs were up by one, I'm sure he would have probably been a, at least second in five-on-five five time on ice and, and maybe even first, because that's where he was after the first period. Um, you know, I, I I don't see the reasoning behind it. Every number that I've looked at says that Cole has been very bad over the last two and a, a significant impact on how badly things are going in the defensive zone you know i I don't think he needs to be benched but you know I, i think you just need to be realistic about what he can do for you and and sort of try to fit him into that role rather than try to make him your top pair defenseman
2: i think at this point he should be scratched Maybe once, if not just for a message. I like I'm not a big message person. I don't think yelling and screaming and benchings and putting guys on the fourth line. Like say you put McKinnon on the fourth line, it's more just to get a headline (laughs) than anything. Like I'm not huge into that, but we're at the point where you know Bednar keeps coming out and saying how they the the effort, the compete level isn't there, the winning, the battles this and that, like, in one half, it's what you were saying, just do the same thing, but try harder, which is ridiculous. But on the other half, he keeps crying out that there is an internal issue with these players, and the fact that you are unwilling to do anything that sends a message is ridiculous. Like, if you scratch Cole... Then, then you see what your defense looks like without him. Maybe you come up with some ideas. Maybe the others get that it's unacceptable. Maybe he gets that his play's unacceptable.
1: But I, I, it's—I it's, mean, it's if you look at it,
2: doing the same thing the next game.
1: But I mean, if, if you look at what what Bednar keeps saying, as far as you know, accountability and commitment to checking and all the stuff that he went through after the game. You know, it's like, Cole's got that. You know, he's a tryhard. So it's like, you know, it, it's almost like Bednar's putting him on display saying, ta-da, this is what I want you guys to play with, like. And I
2: don't necessarily believe that because the decision-making, the focus,
1: yeah, the, I mean, it, those
2: other things that he he complains about, Cole certainly is not exempt from those things. He cannot lift up Cole and say... This guy is how is how I want everyone to play. There's just no way he could do that.
1: I, I, <laughs> I know it sounds insane, but it's just i you know I really think he'd rather have six Coles than six Sam Gerrards.
2: i
0: that might be true
2: that that That's a whole different conversation, I think. <clears throat> he If he had to pick the pert with one person that he loves right now is probably Calvert. Who's had? Well,
1: Calvert's um, the leading scorer. And he's
0: been producing.
2: I'm not <laughs> complaining about Calvert. He's had
0: about a million <laughs> points in the last month that I don't know how yeah. but here we are.
1: Yep.
2: And so good for him, absolutely. He's he's holding up the depth scoring, but he's still a limited player That's pretty much most of his game is try-hard, and he's he's gotten a few goals in lately. The, and that it seems like Bednar would, if he could have every single person on his team be that, he would.
1: Yeah, but we go back to the puck decisions again because <clears throat> Calvert does not make good puck decisions. Right, and he turns are, the puck over a lot. So are you, are you sure? I, I, I'm, I'm I mean, I see really what sure Bednar is,
0: what Calvert's trying <laughs> to do with the puck. I see what he does with the puck, but I'm never sure what he was trying to do with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to try to parse that out, but, you know, the result is that, you know, he often loses the puck, and it's, you know, it's not because he's, you know, weak on the It's not because he's being weak on the puck. It's because he just can't hang on to it. And,
2: and earlier in the year, when it was one of the bigger problems on the team, there was no accountability. Like, I think they're at the point where this is a toxic hallmark of this team it they had 48 points nobody got fired almost nothing changed other than they brought a few of the younger players in They're the replacement Army player level players they got rid of they just replaced with the same maybe a little bit better than what they had but basically the same players and think that everything is going to be significantly different there's no accountability anywhere in the organization.
0: So given I mean, the roster that's in place now, before we jump ahead into like the roster that they don't have, uh, what <coughs> you keep kind of alluding to to changes that should be made. What what changes would you make with the roster that they currently have? And by roster, I mean like organizational roster, not just the Avalanche.
2: Well, they, they certainly need to utilize their AHL assets at, at this point. Like, a bunch of AHLers isn't going to make like this monumental difference, but they need something at this point. Like they need anything that will get them a win or a couple wins or to spark something or to send a message to change anything. So what I would do is three three main things. I would bring greer up. I would bring Graves up and I would bring one of the goalies, I guess right now it's Spencer Martin and maybe they don't care at all for Greer or Spencer Martin. It doesn't matter at this point. Like you need to bring some, a different energy, different players. Maybe the team plays better in front of a younger goaltender. It happens. Look at Philly. I know Carter Hart's good, but it's more than just, Hey, the 20 year old goalie's good. It's, Get your shit together in front of this guy. And Greer, I, I don't care if they don't like him. The way he's performed in the AHL, he's their best forward. He's been producing. He stood up for the guy that took Jost out. He stood up against the guy that took Jost out. If you want to send a message that if you get your shit together in the AHL, you'll get an NHL opportunity, that's what needs to happen.
0: Yeah, we should mention they... that Tyson Jost got brained in the, AH, in the AHL game like a week ago.
1: No, it wasn't his brain, theoretically. <laughs> it, was a, it was
0: a body injury because he avalanched the fucking NSA when it comes to releasing information. Anyway, Continue. <laughs>
2: Um, Graves should come up And they should tell him he's staying And they should tell everyone else he's staying And basically say He's your par, you have to be better than him If you want to play And that goes for everybody Every single defenseman If you're not better than Ryan Graves You're not playing the next game
1: (laughs) And that means you
2: Ian Cole That means you Tyson Berry That means you Eric Johnson That means everybody
0: can Ryan Graves play goal? <laughs> <laughs> and then, goalie, you put Spencer
2: Martin in there. I know we've all given up on him. You had the numbers of what he's done the last 10 games. Two shutouts. Yeah. What was it? Seven and three record, two shutouts, 925. You know, I don't care if,
1: shots. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't care if you're planning on not qualifying him. You bring him up and you say, "Okay, there, there's a lot of people that believe it is j- it's just Varley and Grubauer shitting the bed. If if you believe that, then you would do whatever it takes to put a different goaltender in the net." Yeah. And you need to use the two that your organization has right now. Hell, put Joe fucking Kannada in the net. He's on an NHL <laughs> contract. You bring him up, you put him in the net, and you tell everyone else to stop playing like shit in front of him and see what happens. It couldn't get worse, <laughs>
0: right?
1: It honestly couldn't.
0: <laughs> I mean, at this point, I mean, when you're, when you're lucky to have a save percentage in the 800s at the end of the night, no, it couldn't get significantly worse. Like, what, do you you live by six goals instead of four? Oh, no. So those are three things they could do right
2: now easily (laughs) without making any significant move. These are not, like, out there crazy
0: Uh, Joe Joe Cannatum is out there
2: crazy. Okay, but I would start with Spencer. I would start with Spencer. And then when Frank, supposedly his injury is not serious, if he comes back, it's a weekend under his belt. I would also try Frank. Oh, yeah. The other thing is you need to do these things before the trade deadline because after the trade deadline, you only have four calls. And they usually burn them down to the AHL for the AHL playoffs, it's another LOL. So before they burn all their paper call ups, do this shit now while you still can. And yes, I would also consider bringing up Martin Kaut. I still probably would not play him more than nine games but you have that available at your disposal, see if it makes a difference.
0: Yeah, I don't think his future contract status is worth this season's potential first-round playoff exit. So uh, more than nine games is madness, but I think you definitely do want to... To see where he fits in on this lineup, at least, you know, give give him an opportunity to, to smell it and see where he might fit in. Sorry for the robot that we're getting from both Earl and Jackie today. Just that, that means it's probably my Wi-Fi and unfortunately not likely to get much better. I'll try to clean it up as much as I can later,
1: but we'll see. <laughs> um, all right. For me, <clears throat> I, I agree with, with Jackie's picks there. Um, and I agree that it's actually probably the change that's the most important thing. Uh, you know, it's like when you, when you've switched around the furniture in, in your office or your home so many times, um, you know, it just gets stale and you, you have to just get a couple new pieces of furniture to make it look good. <clears throat> um, I would go a little bit further. Uh, I would wave um, or put on IR Mark Barbario since he's got a fake injury right now. <laughs> and-
0: you, you're you going to have randoms in your Twitter mentions. <laughs>
1: you know i
2: missed that whole thing last night i probably
1: don't want to um but yeah either wave or put on injured reserve mark barbario and i would wave gabriel bork and i would also bring up um you know i'd like to see Kout. i i I don't think i don't think it's that crucial that he gets games and i i don't really think uh, going into an environment like the Avs are right now would be all that positive for his NHL debut or experience in general. Um, but I would bring up Dominic Toninato and actually play him. Um,
0: you're looking for a center and you're playing Sheldon Dries at center. Toninato is just right. standing there it, like with the boom box over his head in the rain, you know? Yeah. He right. played
2: 37 games last year. So he was good enough to play.
1: 47.
0: Was it, was it 47? Yeah. And that was a playoff team, so not like he was just playing games on a shitty roster.
1: Exactly. Um, But the thing is, you bring up Tononato and Greer, and you can radically change sort of uh, the feeling of the bottom six because what you've got now is a bunch of guys that are all about 5'11 and 180 pounds and, you know, some of them have more skill, some of them don't, but none of them are very big. And... Greer is six three, Tornado is six two. They're both you know two ten ish. Uh, they're you know they're big guys, and bringing that dynamic into the bottom six is something I think they really need, because a, a small, not really that skilled bottom six doesn't doesn't really do anything for you. Um, if it you have a mixture,
0: goal.
1: no, it sure doesn't. And when you have you know a mixture of sizes of guys you can do different things and gain advantages in matchups different ways you're not relying on just speed to be able to get the puck out or get the puck into the offensive zone where you're not going to do anything with it so i i really think that avoiding an obvious change like bringing some size to the bottom six is is kind of silly because it's the it's one of the things that they just seem to refuse to try for for any length of time and you know who knows it it, it might work you know it's definitely not going to make anything worse i
2: just defaulting to dries doesn't make sense to me and it it's like it's great that they signed him they have him as this replacement level fourth liner they can use that's great he's not someone that is displayed that he needs. To, he's already played. I think it, it's thirty games, which is over half of the games that they've played. It's it's just inexplicable. And maybe if Joe hadn't got hurt, it would have been him instead of Dries. But still, he should not be the default next man
1: up. I mean, I don't think Dries is a bad. He's just, not. What,
2: he's not terrible.
1: You're, you're but- put- him with ben and bork and you're just like i've had it guys and it's just you know they they don't know how to have
2: he has one point in 20 games like at that point you haven't earned a permanent spot on the team
0: and he had a breakaway last night that did very little um like it's just the the reliance on the the, the island of misfit toys line has always been perplexing to me when you have you know all these free moves up and down between the Alves and the Eagles you can make. Um, But the Sheldon dries is a very big, uh, what's the word I want? Like try hard. Sure. He's kind of, (laughs) he's kind of a good symbol for, for that just refusal to try to use the people that you have in your system to make something that may help the team, even though it is somewhat marginal. And yeah. you never
2: know, like, the, the whole point is that some of these guys have upside. You never know. You never know. You might just yeah. get some fourth line play. You might actually find out that somebody can provide more. You,
0: you might end yeah, up with a JT conference situation where, no, he's not a second liner, but if he needs to play there for a game or two, he can.
1: Yeah, I mean, even following through with Logan O'Connor, I mean, I know he likes to call press conferences and stuff like that. And he was, you know, <laughs> was way over his head um, at the NHL level, but it's like, he's gone down and take, hopefully learned with the abs in his brief time there. And, you know, it's like the following through is bringing him back up and seeing, you know, it's like, what did you learn at the AHL level? It's like, you know, you know, you, you need to constantly find out, how your guys are progressing relative to the NHL. It's it's not enough to say like, oh, you know, he had three assists this week. That's pretty good. You know, what he does in the AHL is great and all that, but you, you really need to know how these guys are progressing relative to your NHL team. And, and when you're, you know, basically out of a playoff spot, there's really no reason not to find this out immediately.
0: So we're going to look at, um, you know, some – put some potential stuff out there and and what trades have happened in the last few days before we do that what is the single biggest need that the avalanche have I, I don't want a list of things what's the single biggest need that you want to see addressed either if if not at the trade deadline then in the summer
1: I mean I think right now I mean I I, I think change for the sake of change is usually dumb but i I really do think that everything is so stale right now that that if you can make a significant change in the lineup and not hurt yourself in any way then that would probably be the best thing and i know that's kind of vague but you know something along that line
2: they need a culture change and i know you're not going to get that at the trade deadline but everything else is just putting lipstick on a pig
0: and then for me, they wanted
1: need to a... say goalie, didn't you?
0: <laughs> no, because that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say they need a goalie because going into next season, they have Philip Grubauer, who's been very bad.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: So, um, before we then look at how they might address those sorts of things or not, and I'm I'm sure that Jackie has a word to say on that. Let's talk about what the, what's happened across the NHL this week. Uh, the the biggest and most confusing was the Derek Brassard deal as it's known. Um, Pittsburgh trade, Derek Brassard, Riley Sheehan, and then a second and two fourths all this year to Florida in exchange for Nick Bugstad and Jared B- McCann. Uh Derek Brassard has been a name that's been kind of connected with the Avalanche more than once, as a guy they may be interested in and they may still be interested in, as it's not like Florida is now set for the playoffs or anything. Like that's not a not a great team, and I'm sure they're happy to get more draft picks where they can, more more assets where they can. Um, does this trade have any lessons that the Avalanche can learn for you guys? Um, because my take on this trade is that it's weird. I don't. It's it's just. I it's think... that you
2: can move players, yeah, I mean, and not it's... give up on a season. That you can.
1: Well, it's so, like Pittsburgh's it's, giving up on their season by trading away their UFA.
2: Right. It, it is. It's like that you can sell and not give up on the season. Now, obviously, both of them traded forwards for forwards. It's the le- the if I could impart a lesson to the AVs is that what a cap dump is. That when you trade someone, and they make more money than their value, that's called a cap dump. And usually you get compensated for that, which is why Florida got draft picks. So, well, basic- I,
1: I I know Bugstead is not in high regard really right now, but I, I think Pittsburgh's compensation was more for getting Bugstead, and I know McCann isn't <clears throat> is also not that highly thought of, but you know. It's also a player that that Pittsburgh really coveted, so I think they paid a premium for that.
2: It Florida's doing it mostly because they wanted to clear cap room because allegedly they're going after Panarin and maybe some other big fish this summer.
0: Thirty teams should be going after Panarin.
2: Uh, they have a realistic shot because they have an ocean. So, um, did I miss something and What is then, this
0: reference?
1: He wants to live on a coast.
2: Huh. That basically his he will only go to like either New York or Florida. So Florida is a team okay. that has a real a realistic <clears throat> shot at him signing there. So
0: And then a, um, a second and a pair of fourths is also very useful for a team that could use some talent.
2: And and then they could also take the guys that they received on expiring contracts, including Broussard, and flip them for as rentals, which would also be a lesson to the avalanche that you are allowed to do that.
0: That you're allowed and to it's not give rentals, not take rentals. Let's be extremely clear here.
2: <laughs> yeah. That, so Broussard is still a concern that the avalanche would be interested in him. I have what's called the the Mendoza line, and I'm calling it the Calvert line. And the Avs should absolutely not trade for anybody that has fewer points than Calvert this year. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said earlier, it's good job for him scoring. He's doing well. And then that raises the Mendoza line. <clears throat> and Rosard currently falls under it. So that's a no. <clears throat>
0: So that deal was only possible because Pittsburgh had their own fourth, which they didn't have before because they had traded it to Dallas for Jamie Alexiak. So the Pittsburgh Penguins trade Jamie Alexiak to the Dallas Stars for their own fourth back.
1: <laughs> At a much higher salary to boot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> GM Jesus Jim Nil, everybody.
1: Yeah, that's that's one of those deals that really doesn't make sense. And I know they were saying, well, you know, we've got all these injuries on defense and, you know, I guess we need Alexiak back, but um, that's just that's that's so weird. I mean, that'd be a, that'd be like us like trading for Duncan. You know, um, I you know, well, more well, more power to the stars. But hey,
0: I don't know about I don't know about Duncan. Let's let's try to keep it in the NHL at least. Maybe like Nick
1: Holden, <laughs> <laughs> like Jamie
0: Begin. They yeah. could trade for him back. Uh, I think it's a it's a defender. Let's stick with Nick Holden. I think is probably yeah.
1: One. Nick Holden would probably be. A, something close to that. Um, It it just doesn't, you know, of all all the guys you could trade for, you know, bringing someone back is odd, especially since they're much more expensive than when you traded him when, you know, wanted to get rid of them. Um, But, you know, NHL is a weird place.
0: That was just a really fun trade to watch go down on the internet. It was like, Hey, the, the penguins have traded Alexiak back to Dallas. What? That's interesting For a fourth Didn't they get him for a fourth? Yeah, that fourth Wait a minute <laughs> So he was
2: a true rental <laughs> Yes
0: He was a You hold this for a while And we'll use the player for a while And then when we're tired of him We'll take our pick back
1: It's like the Avs getting their second and their sixth back from the Sharks
0: I remember how happy we were that they got those back I know <laughs> So in maybe the most consequential deal for the avalanche, the Toronto Maple Leafs acquired Jake Muzzin in exchange for Carl Grundstrom, Sean Dursey, and the 2019 first.
1: I, I, I'm not sure how I feel about this one. I mean, I know the Leafs really needed a guy like Muzzin, especially if they have any thoughts on going for it in the playoffs this year. Um, Which they should. Yeah, they should. <clears throat> um because their their team could be significantly different next year um if you're LA i you know i, I, I the first is going to be you know probably pretty high you know it's, it's more than likely going to be sort of mid 20s so it's sort of outside the magic top 20
0: so so you're saying high like numerically so you actually mean a low first right?
1: yeah right okay. um
0: at first I was like, what
2: yeah, they're probably, yeah. they're not going to win the division. So, like when you're looking at firsts, it, it's those that win the division really are those are the ones that fall in the twenty seven, twenty eight range. So the fact the Leafs won't win uh, won't win the division because Tampa will that that will push that pick down a little bit. Yeah, but. Um, I, I think it was, this is actually a good deal for both sides. I understand why the Leafs did it, because they they will have Muzzin for next year, and it gives them some cost certainty and an upgrade on defense that, for, I think it's $4 million cap hit, is better than what they're going to get on the open market, better than they could get re-signing Garnier, I don't know how to say his name, sorry. Sorry, Leafs fans. Yeah, Gardnier, <laughs> whatever. Um... So I, I that's a good deal for them. Um and they had the assets to to do that. Um I, I think it's a good deal for the Kings though. I mean a yeah, first and two B prospects is, is a good return. And it's for yeah, I, mean, a, I,
1: I just didn't know anything about the the prospects, so I can't. Other, really say that I that would that call great. them,
2: yeah, B level prospects. So, so they're good. I mean they, they definitely d- didn't get busts or trash back. I mean these are legitimate prospects.
1: So they definitely think... didn't want Lilligren either. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> so where where it's relevant to us, which is I think where you want to take this, is that it kind of sets a loose parameter on what a Barry deal could be if they decided to move Barry at this deadline. And I know that nobody wants to move Barry for just futures right now but I think as we get further along into this trade deadline season is that those players that have the one more year left are going to be the real commodities this year because teams don't want to spend on a pure rental and that that the cost certainty and the, at least the medium term uh, uh, that a guy with one year left can give a team is is a lot more security a lot more something that you can plan around and i think now is the time that they need to think about moving barry because he's going to fit right into that market with the players that are all going to be very uh very marketable and very in demand this this trade deadline and It's even going to fit in because I think he would give the abs the shakeup they need. I don't think it's all his fault, but I think, I think moving Barry right now is the right move for those several reasons that I think it will give them the best return. And I also think it's, it's the move they need to make.
1: Yeah, I was skeptical. Um, about how much interest there would be in someone like Tyson Berry at the deadline, and, and again, it you know, it, it, all it takes is two teams being interested to jack the price up. So, um, I, I think Muzzin established a very, you know, a very bottom of what a Tyson Berry return would look like, just because he's not the scorer that the Barry is. Um, you know, Barry's uh, more expensive, so that you know that's sort of a, a mark against him. But you know, I, I do think that that someone like Tyson Berry should command uh, at least a little bit better package uh, than what Jake Muzzin got. Maybe one of those and, B
0: prospects becomes an A prospect or something like that.
1: Or instead of two B prospects, you get a roster player, um, yeah. something like that. Um, so it, you know, it really does make trading Berry very intriguing, and I just you know, I think that. You know, if if the abs continue to play the way they have for the last two months, um, you know, in the in the coming week or two, you know next week or two, they're they're going to be out of the playoff picture with with little hope of getting back in. And it really does make a lot of sense to do something like you know move Barry or maybe move Barry and Wilson at the same time and see what that gets you. If 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 you can leverage those guys together to get a really nice package you know, that would be great. Um, you know, that 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 seems like it would be a little hopeful at a deadline kind of thing, but, um, you know, they, they really should consider what, you know, guys that aren't going to be around next year for sure um, can get you at the deadline. I mean, if they love Colin Wilson, they can trade him and sign him again on July 1st. So... Uh, you know, it, I, I think Joe really ought to be considering all options when it comes to looking at trades over the next couple of weeks.
0: Well, when you look up and down the Avalanche lineup, um, who do you think are the most likely players to to go? Is it a Colin Wilson? Is it maybe, is it a Tyson Berry? I don't think that's likely to happen, even though it is probably the smart thing to do. Because, like I said, very few will be tough. Like you you know? said, the Avalanche can be out of the playoffs, like irreparably out of the playoffs, a week from now because they could be behind six teams a week from now.
1: Yeah, exactly, and they probably will be. I mean, it just you know there, there doesn't seem to be a lot of hope going forward that they're going to pull out of this. So, um, but you know, it, trading Tyson Berry is very difficult because you know it, it is a big asset, and someone has to want him pretty bad. <clears throat> you know to be able to put together a package like that it's like toronto has a lot of assets so it's it's you know they're one of the few teams that's able to put together a deal like that at the drop of a hat and they, it, it apparently took them several weeks to get through that so um you know it, it would be tough to put a, a deal together at the deadline for barry it is much more realistic that they could move him around the draft but you know, if if someone presents a package that could help the Avs a little bit now and a lot later, then I would definitely consider it. As far as guys that are most likely to move, um, you know, I really think Sven Ghetto could use another, you know, change of scenery trade. Um, you know, he just doesn't seem to work how work how the the staff want him to. He hasn't found a spot in the lineup for basically the last year and a half. Um, basically since, you know, he got taken off the top line and you know, they put the three-headed monster together. So, you know, I, I don't think he'll get much. So,
0: Nah. His value yeah. is very poor. That's, right. a, that's a budget move for a team that doesn't have a whole lot to give up.
1: Right. Um, you know, and if it's you know i i don't i, I can't even think i, I don't think you get a draft picked for him you know if he did it would probably be like a sixth in two thousand twenty or something like that um but if you know if you can get sort of a, a another guy that needs to change his scenery that's actually an n h l player uh, although you know probably not a very good one you know that you know just change for the sake of change might might end up helping both guys
2: yeah, I agree with that i think if they can move Andrew Gatto they will. And it, anyone else is going to be tough. I mean, Wilson, the production's not there. He makes four million dollars. That's there might be teams that like him and like his style, but it, it's really hard to see much of a return there. Um, yeah, I mean,
1: even if you even if you eat half of that contract, it's still like that's two million dollars for that. You know. I
2: mean, <laughs> yeah, the same will be cheaper that other teams can offer that that's the problem too like the reason why there's hope to move Barry is is he could move the needle for a team he's truly really the only thing the abs have available that you know if Barry's helping a team's play playoff push or even um, their their playoff series I, I think that could make a difference but but certainly I'm not Advocating just getting rid of him. So I agree. A good package has to be had there. Um, the one guy I think will move is Greer because the ABS apparently have no use for their best AHL players. So, and they always make an AHL deal. So
0: he's See, probably jumping ahead of me. I was going to ask you who's going to be the <laughs> AHL trash swap of the season. Oh, okay. Well, um... it's AJ Greer for other AHL players.
2: Yeah, even though I would not call this the trash swap because he he has a good been having a good year and he's he's somebody that a another team could actually give an opportunity to and I think I think there will be some interest in him. No, I don't think they're gonna get it like first round pick or anything for him, but if they get a similar third year pro that needs a change of scenery, I'm looking for a Higher echelon guy, like say a study Milano, a former first rounder, something like that. Like this, it should absolutely not be a trash for trash swap because that's not what Greer is.
1: I don't know. For me, I I don't see them trading Greer. Um, I just I, I don't. You know, I I don't think what he gives your AHL team would make a difference, and a you know, I I don't think. I don't. I don't think there's anything out there that would make it worth their while. Um, I would hope that. I know this is just way out of left field, but Anton Lindholm, um, might be more tempting than we think, just because we 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 have to watch him <laughs> more, than, more than we'd like. Um, but it's like he's got NHL experience. You know he's got a a pretty good curriculum vitae as far as playing in Sweden and and whatnot. Um,
2: he has absolutely no production.
1: Yeah, he's not scored and, a goal
2: in like three years.
1: And it, you know, I, again, I don't, I, I see him much more likely to be the trash for trash swap. If um, you did get
0: anything for him, I'd be shocked. Yeah, if it's. I mean, it,
1: it well, I like mean if you get the seven. other Anton Lindholm, I mean, again, I'm not, I, I just, I see him as a, a, the kind of guy that another team says, you know, hey, why not? Um, you know, and, and they have an Anton Lindholm they'd like to get rid of. It could be Warsawski, like an expiring. I thought about that. Yeah. Concept. It's just, he, he's just so important to what the Eagles do. I mean, they just love him. So, they have younger I, I mean, I could definitely like Kevin see Davis. them. Oh, but he's so young, you can't play him every night.
0: <laughs> I just can't imagine uh, trading for impending UFA David Worsofsky, the AHL defender. Like, come on. Yeah, Other I'll impending push. UFAs who may or may not have no interest based on this conversation. Gabriel Bork, who I think we all expect, well we all expected to walk last time he was an impending UFA. A, mm-hmm. So, maybe... Or you know, Nemeth. Maybe, Marine, maybe this they, is the time. And Patrick Nemeth, yeah. It's... it's I, po- it's possible and, they
2: don't lean on him like they did last year. The pending UFA, if they've truly resigned to the fact that they're going to move on, they could probably sell him as a depth player somewhere. But it's probably going to be the same realm of oh, there was interest in Fedor Tutin, oh, but we couldn't close the deal.
1: I, th- I think Nemeth is far more appealing than Fedor Tutin was, but um, definitely just on an age perspective. You know, Right. Yeah,
2: but I mean, the same, like.
1: Yeah, I know what you're saying. Someone could um, trade
2: for him, but it fell apart and we still have him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think that if, if the Avs, you know, if, if they knew how to trade people actively, and that's what, you know, it's a difficult thing when you're not in the old boy network. Um, But, you know, I, I do think there are teams that would, you know, take a look at Patrick Nemeth and. You know, be fine as sort of the the kind of guy you add at the deadline if you're a playoff team that needs a little depth on defense.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Who are your Avalanche untouchables? Are we are we talking like crazy move or like? Yeah, who are you willing to not even get crazy for?
1: Like me, or who do I think the organization thinks?
0: You can answer however the heck you want to answer.
1: Okay.
2: I'd say you know? Nico is the ultimate untouchable. I, I wouldn't.
0: I wouldn't even answer
2: the phone. I think everyone else. I you you would have yes, and even Nathan McKinnon, even Landy. I think you would at least want to know what the offer is with Landy and like Sam. I just I don't see that there's anything that would make the ABS better. That would actually ever be an offer there. Yeah. McKinnon, if they're offering like for like superstar, I would consider it. Well, then, but then that... you're
0: talking about it being Connor McDavid on the other end, and like, yes, I, I'm grab not the necessarily David.
2: <laughs> I'm not necessarily McDavid. Kucherov, you know, I
0: don't. Oh, not McDavid, <laughs> not McDavid, just Nikita Kucherov.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> Clear step down.
1: What if it was? Sh- what if the? What if the Jets offered Shifley and Myers for him?
0: Then you'd have Tyler Myers.
1: Yep. Yeah. Myers-
2: <laughs> Let's say Truba, Shifley, and Truba. I, I, I think mean,
1: you'd have to
0: think about it.
1: If it was Honestly. Shifley and Truba, you'd have to think about it, but I'd still say no. <clears throat>
0: Isn't Truba UFA? Or he'd be an, an RFA. RFA. Yeah. RFA. Okay, I knew he was had his yeah. contract coming up. Yeah, and then also I think when you're looking at the untouchable list, you got to talk about Ottawa's first. Yes, yes. Yeah. I,
2: I, I think, I, the think Avs, Honestly, I think the Avs first. Yeah, it's yeah. they should not think about touching that right now because as, as
0: they keep skidding, there's it's reaching that same kind of kind of level of you don't give this up. And then also on a lot of people's lists, you see Kale McCarr in the untouchable area. Yeah, yeah.
2: they oh I for sure. It, not a not a guy that is. A favorite to win the Hobie Baker, you're gonna get rid of him before you see what he can do as, a, oh, just as a
0: sophomore defender at a not very good program that he has suddenly turned into a competitor.
1: A competitor, they're a national powerhouse. Com- yeah, I mean, there's just Com- I mean, there's the nothing
0: championships on getting it, here.
2: I wouldn't touch Bowers and Kaut. I just their first front forwards that are gonna be actual depth. You just, I mean, you're not gonna say untouchable to a prospect because. There's a, yeah, there just, could always be an offer out there. But, I mean, realistically, no, I'm not. I'm not touching them realistically, either. Realistically, I
0: mean, since you said that word, realistically, what do you all actually expect to happen?
2: Uh, I expect to cower under the blanket all day until I find <laughs> out that they've moved one of the draft picks for some marginal player that's not going to make any difference, and Greer gets traded.
0: So you're on team. They have learned less than nothing.
1: Yep. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I I really do think Sven will get traded. Um, I think anything else would be pure luck. We haven't talked about Varley getting traded, and uh, you know. No way. It's like I, I know it's <laughs> it's it's hard to imagine someone wanting him right now, but <laughs> they might. Um, the
0: only Varley trade I think that could possibly be out there is one for one for Bob. Because you're trading like for like
2: but I think yeah, for like, I, Columbus actually moving Bob is a big thing like it's almost irrelevant for, for what yeah it's it's just the fact that they got to that point. I just don't think they would do it just to flip for another disappointing goalie
1: I mean I you know if I, I, I think the more realistic varley trade would be varley for someone's backup that's just you know pretty mediocre um,
0: so Varley for Grubauer.
1: Yeah, exactly. I could see that
2: on a playoff team. I mean, could Varley be better than what your backup is, especially if
1: he gets out of what's ailing the abs. (laughs) Like varley for you know any any one of the the Habs backup goalie de jour Varley Um, for Peter
0: Budai.
2: I do it for Michael (laughs) McNiven I've always liked that kid.
1: Um, but for me, I, you know, I expect to see Sven gone just because it just seems too easy not to, um, I'm going to go with, I don't think they're actually, you know, unless it's something like Anton Lindholm for someone else's Anton Lindholm. I don't, you know, I don't really see an obvious AHL trade that that's going to be done. Um, you know, I, I still get the feeling that they want to get rid of Ottawa's third for Brassard, and, you know, that just seems like something Florida would be all over. So, um,
2: yeah, if they get worse, they probably won't touch their second, but you just know that third, they're just like,
1: I think Ottawa's third has been something that they've wanted to get rid of all year. So it just let it on fire.
2: <laughs> yeah. if you could just tell me right now that that's like the worst thing they do yeah. I would just be like just do it and then I can have my life back for the next three years exactly. <laughs> like, I cannot even describe how awful the trade deadline is to me like it's, it's fun seeing the moves made around the league but the actual deadline and the abs it literally keeps me up at night that's how much I hate it
0: what, I mean the,
1: what the tough is the thing, thing about this the twenty fifth twenty fifth it's a
2: Monday Yes
1: okay. yeah
0: I, I had them head it was the twenty sixth okay, we're good then I was because the twenty sixth like there's no way I can take off work. It's not happening the
1: the, the tough thing for me with you know sort of prognosticating at this point is, you know, yes, they look like they're out of it and they probably will fall even further before then. Um, yeah, you know, they might not it's not a guarantee i mean it's 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 fairly likely but if you know if they're like four or five points out rolling into the week before you know i'm still not sure how i feel about you know again like a berry trade or you know any of the sort of more fantastical aspects of, of what they could do
0: so this all brings me kind of to my last question, which is, are there any potential targets out there that you think are worth going after? And as I kind of opened up the, the whole TSN trade bait list, you know, like like you do, and saw a whole bunch of old guys and impending UFAs. So those are all pretty much out. But there are some interesting names out here, like, as I just say, no impending UFAs. There's Ryan Dezingle, who we know that the Avalanche may have some interest in. There's Chris Kreider, Cody Cece, um, uh, it,
2: like, I see, I'm scared about those because yeah. it would
0: cost more. Yeah, but you yeah, also yeah. have like a, a Capitan, which I think would be an awesome get, although he still, he can't play goal, yeah. but, and then obviously Dougie Hamilton's name has been out there. Um, so is, I just there... I have no interest Cat. in Dougie. I have no interest in Dougie. <laughs> Me like, is there anybody out I'll there think. that the Avalanche could make a move for and you wouldn't just groan?
2: No, because I the what they would have to give up, I think, is
1: I think, a, I think there's some buried out there. trades out there that I'd be Sure,
2: okay, of. if we're talking about that, I think one name that's out there that I wouldn't mind is Nemest- Nemestikov. I think he, he would be a good depth player. I like the way he plays. I think he would give the ABS a little bit of an edge in their bottom six. However, he's making $4 million next year. And he has believe he's under, he, Yes, he's under the Calvert line. So we need to look at that as a cap dump and not give up ex- extraordinary value in this deal. But he's somebody that I wouldn't mind if they ended up with, but they need to learn how to make a trade and not just give up all the value in a trade like this is one where I think maybe if they gave a lower pick and got a higher pick back in him back or something like that or or they gave like an Andrew ghetto or, or something they also want to get rid of because they're giving cap space to whoever trades it for him you know so they can't they can't just say oh we'll give a third for him and do the Wilson deal again. They need to not
1: get hosed. They want to, though. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I You know, one name that, that keeps coming up, I mean, obviously, Dougie Hamilton's available, and it, it sounds like they you know, the, the Canes would like to get rid of him, but um, if they do make a deal with, with the Canes in, in, in a berry trade, I would much rather end up with Brett Pesci. Um, I know he's not to the same level, as Hamilton or Barry, um, but you know, I, I think he's a good, solid defender. Um,
0: Eleven points, you know, Calvert line.
1: <laughs> he's a de- he's a defenseman. It is a little though,
0: different so we... for a defenseman. Yeah, yeah. And he makes he makes more than four million dollars. Makes four point zero three million dollars, and has, still has five years on his deal, so he's over a David Jones money. No matter how you look at it.
1: Yeah, but he's good. And I think it, he's something that the Avs could really use. Um, I think that's a fair idea. And and if you did make a deal like that, I, I doubt that the Canes would want to give up their first in, in a deal. Did we
0: just lose Earl?
1: Did
2: we?
0: Yeah, we lost Earl. I doubt that the, the Canes would want to give up their first. They are sitting outside of a playoff spot right now, which is interesting because they have more points than like a couple of teams in the West that are in the playoffs. So... Like, Carolina and Buffalo would both be comfortably in if they switched conferences. But that's definitely a team that's lacking for scoring talent, and where do you look for that in the first round of the draft? So, definitely see where Earl's coming from. Don't really need to hear him finish that out to to know where he's going with that.
2: And, and the Canes have a lot of interesting prospects. Yes. I wouldn't mind taking, like, Nick Lawa, who's a big center. I think, and he's not like a, we're not talking about niche ass here as, as the ask. So I think he's someone that could definitely be on the table as, as a prospect, Carolina could survive giving up.
0: Sure. So in general, I think that we, we talked about this before the show, but if it, if it comes down to do something or do nothing, I think all potato. three. Of us were, yeah, we're basically in agreement <laughs> that you don't want to get out GM to buy a potato, and the the team can can get by doing no- like we'll all be angry if they do nothing, but we would be more angry if they did something stupid.
1: Yeah.
2: If if they held on to their five top one hundred draft picks for this upcoming draft, I will call that a win, regardless of.
1: And don't get older.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they they absolutely need to. They need to have a big draft. They need to hold on to that. Like you can't look at those picks as extra. You need to look at it as this is what we got for trading Matt Duchene. You don't just l- spread those around like Halloween candy. Like it's it's significant asset value brought into your organization.
0: But think of the trade tree. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, when we make all those picks and then when we sell them as disappointing NHLers down the road, it'll that's where we'll get the trade. Ah. The trade tree growing.
0: But, but how many disappointing NHLers do the team sell? Ah. Uh-huh. Let's run down the I next. Think st- sh- two weeks. I think they yeah, should go make. think they should. I think they should make. it.
2: They should sell. They should make one sell deal.
0: One sell deal. Yeah. So let's run down the next two weeks. There will be no Burgundy Radio next weekend as I'll be out of town. Um, I don't. Are, are y'all planning on maybe slipping in a, a Tua to fill the gap or something like that? I
2: think so. Yeah, I think that was the loose plan. So we probably could record it next Sunday, and um, I don't. It'll probably be the Prospect Monthly because uh, so we haven't done one in about a month. And probably Prospect Monthly and AHL related since we did some draft talk in our last one. So, sure. So yeah, definitely look for that if you like those kind of podcasts and you miss my rants. There should be something next week as well.
0: So as for the next two weeks of the Avalanche schedule, on Tuesday the Avs finished up this homestand at 7 o'clock Mountain against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Then on Thursday, they head east for a 5 o'clock mountain start against the Washington Capitals. On Saturday, they have a matinee in Manhattan or Brooklyn or wherever the New York Islanders play now. That's an 11 a.m. mountain start. Set your alarms. Finally, on Sunday, they wrap up the road trip with another matinee, 1 o'clock mountain with the Boston Bruins. They're back home That's on... weird. Yeah, they're back home on Tuesday the 12th for a 7 o'clock start with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then head back to... or head uh, north. Not back. They head north to Winnipeg on Thursday the 14th, 6 o'clock start on Valentine's Day. Finally, they play their third matinee in two weeks, 1 o'clock Mountain on Saturday at home against the St. Louis Blues.
2: That's dangerous having a game on Valentine's Day.
0: It
1: sure is. I have no (laughs) idea what
0: you're talking about. All games are on altitude. (laughs) And so since that's a lot of games to keep track of, I'm not going to ask you how many points. I'm going to ask you how many games you think they win. And I'm gonna ask you, will they still be in a playoff spot the next time we reconvene? No. I don't
2: I don't I keep saying there's no way they can continue to be this bad, but it's <laughs> we've been saying that. Uh I think they'll get it marginally turned around, but I, I think they're just they're gonna be in the mix with all these teams. It's just it's gonna be brutal. Um 3 wins does feel like that would be pretty optimistic.
1: Yeah, I mean there's a lot of tough games in there, but you know, you look at like the Islanders, we kind of smoked us. It's you know, it's tough to beat someone twice in one season, so maybe that plays in our favor.
0: But it is very trots. Usually...
1: It is very trots. Um we're also almost always awesome in Boston. Um and so that's always hopeful. It's bizarre. <laughs> it always seems like it and the the Caps are really struggling right now. So, I don't think I mean, they
2: win that game though. That's no. I'm just big. saying
1: it. You know, it gives more hope than it would have, say, you know, a month ago. Um, you know, the divisional games. I I, I think we'll lose to Toronto because there's no way yeah. they're going to lay down twice in in one season for us. Um, the divisional games are tough because it just you know the Blues are. Absolutely in fuego right now, and they're they're probably going to take our spot in the division as far as moving. So, um, I'll say they beat the be... blues
2: because I'll be there. Also, yeah. this is kind of a little segue. Um, we might have a special guest next time after that blues game because I will have somebody with me that might want to share a little on the podcast. So. Wow. Let's just leave it at that. And um so they'll win that game just because they'll win for me. <laughs> <laughs> like they've done, like they haven't done all year. I have not seen a win live this year. Thank so, you. So
0: you're due, is what you're saying.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think they could win that Boston game for whatever reason. I'm, kidding, I'm always Boston. St. Louis, there's just no way they're winning in Winnipeg. Um, I don't think they're winning in Washington. I agree the Toronto game. Babcock's going to put his foot up their ass and they'll smoke us. The Islanders, God, I just, I don't really believe they're that good, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they are. But our call that will be the
2: swing. Up. That'll be the swing game. Maybe they can win that one. Oh, yeah, and mean... Columbus, the next game. I'll be there too. Did we forget That's about part- that one, Columbus? No,
0: I read
1: it. That's pretty much a guaranteed loss.
2: They're in a five-game losing streak, too. I mean, this is this is going to be inept versus inept.
1: We're more inepter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, maybe I'll trade my Blues win for the Columbus one. So I am I, I,
0: in agreement that we'll we're probably looking at being out of a playoff spot the next time y'all hear from us, and I will go so far as to say I will be posting single middle finger pictures on Twitter for how many wins the team have had in February. (laughs) They will get a win in the next two weeks. I have no idea which game it will be. Probably in Winnipeg, because that one makes the least sense. (laughs)
1: I'll I'll say they'll win three games, but they won't be anywhere near the playoff spot.
2: It'll be a 50-save shutout for Varley in Washington, and it'll raise his save percentage over league average. (laughs)
1: Really? (laughs) Yep. Yep. How? I think he'd have to he'd have to pull a Marty to get a save up percentage <laughs> that high.
0: That's a, well, that's a, that's a Spencer Martin, by the way, not any of these other inferior Martys who play goal. <laughs> yes. So this uh, this is the beginning of the the season's death march. We play basically every other night until the season is over. So. There's a three-game, or three day, a three-day, a three-game break. There's a three-day break in the middle of March, so that's a, a, that's about it between now and the beginning of April, so otherwise it's every other day, more or less. So hopefully y'all used the break to your advantage and got caught up on all your shows and movie watching and you know talking to your family members and all that stuff that takes secondary importance when there's Avalanche Hockey to watch. And uh, we will see you, not next week, but two weeks from now. You can catch us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash radio You can catch us on burgundierainbow.com. There's the link to the Discord there. And there's old shows on MixCloud, but I'm not even trying to upload there anymore because I don't know why, but it's messed up and it cannot get fixed no matter what I do. So keep your head up, get to the dirty areas, and we'll see you all week after next. Crap.
1: Oh. <laughs> what in the world? Uh. Are
2: <laughs> you like
0: falling over or something? I just got a major calf cramp, but I finished my show uh. damn it.
1: Oh no. <clears throat> oh, this is the worst. Jesus. I was going to ask
2: if you know where.